What's going on, boys and girls? We got a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. We talk about some of the highlights that happened while we were gone. We didn't air an episode last week, so we're going to talk a little bit about Bossa Bosses with Jamal Browner. He competed in the Bossa Bosses, had a terrific performance there. One of the top USPA lifters in the world right now. One of the best deadlifts in the world. One of the best deadlifts of all time, actually. So really terrific interview with him. We talk about, of course, the Skittles obsession. We got the important stuff out of the way early. His origin story, his performance at Bossa Bosses. Some of the undeserved criticism that he had after the Bossa Bosses for pulling a Mere 821. Um, changes he's going to make for future competitions. He gives a technique tip. A really terrific interview with him. We get into some segments as well. USAPL eats the trash yet again. Talk about the coaching fees, some of the equipment changes that go on. But, of course, before we get into the show, I want to talk to you guys about Rivalus. Boys, girls, visit Rivalus.net to get 15% off of Branched amino acids, creatine, protein, pre-workout merchandise. If you use promo code Angelo15, you will get 15% off so you could save some money. Please do that. Use promo code Angelo15. You should know how to spell my name. Also, visit the Two White Lights store. Get yourself a t-shirt. Bomb Out Club, our logo. Shit was light. Go on our store. Buy some merchandise. And also visit the blog. The have we have the PH3 blog up into my competition at USAPL Raw Nationals. So check that out. A lot of people ask questions on that as well. And giving you guys what you want with the PH3 training blog. And without further ado, here is two white lights. Monday, September 9th, and Two White Lights is back, people. Uh, yeah, we took a little bit of a week off just because it was Labor Day, had a hard time scheduling interviews, but we did interview during that week. We had one, Jamal Browner, which you're going to listen to shortly. Terrific interview with him. We also have a few other people that we interviewed throughout the week and this week as well, so be on the lookout for maybe two episodes to catch up on Lost Times, but it is good to be back. I'm talking to you guys while I'm watching football, so that's always awesome. I'm going to be incredibly distracted during the episode today, but a lot happened while Two White Lights was gone, so we got Boss of Bosses and terrific performances from all brilliant lifters at that meet. Uh, unfortunately, I think it's unsanctioned. I I don't know why I'm not getting a ton of information on this, and I can't really find a whole lot of information on this, but apparently it's a not a sanctioned meet, but at this point I don't think anyone cares that it's not a sanctioned meet, because I've, I've heard people say that they don't give a shit that it's not sanctioned because, you know, the judging was inconsistent anyways, but I... I don't know, I really don't know the rationale behind it, but it was a terrific meet, and... We have a person on the show today to talk about Boss of Bosses, a person who competed in it, a person who did really well in it, Jamal Browner. Terrific interview with him. We talk about the Boss of Bosses origin story, 
all the greatest hits that you're going to get in an interview. And it was a really terrific conversation with him. So we're going to get into that interview right now because I doubt you guys want to hear me talk about lifters that I didn't even see compete because I wasn't there. And we have real life primary source with Jamal Browner talking about his performance and amongst other things. Really terrific interview with him. After that, we're going to get into segments. USAPL eats the trash. And we're going to close out the show with that. So here is Raul Skittles, one of the best lifters in the USPA, Jamal Browner. And as promised, I got with me via FaceTime, fan requested interview, 110 kg, 24 years old, one of the best pullers in the world. He's Raul with Skittles. He is Jamal Browner. How are you, man? I'm good, man. How are you? Pretty good, man. I'm excited to talk to you. One of, possibly one of the best deadlifts I've seen in powerlifting. And when you were a fan-requested interview, I got excited because I got to tag you. And then when you responded that you wanted to be on the show, I was like, fuck yes. I got one of my favorite powerlifters on the show. So it's always good to get that. And you're just coming off of a performance at Boss of Bosses, correct? Yes. Yeah, and that's why we kind of wanted to show we always cover the big events in powerlifting, and Boss of Bosses is one of the big events in powerlifting, and you competed in it. Your performance your performance was terrific up until the grip, but we'll get to that later because I got to know. What's the obsession with Skittles? Why do you love Skittles? Why do I always see videos of Skittles? Lay it on me, man. So, um, I think it was... Raw Nationals 2016 was my first Raw Nationals ever. Mm-hmm. I think I was maybe, like, I think Mitchell Fountain was like 13 pounds ahead of me yeah. for like the last deadlift. I didn't know what he pulled. Mind you, Raw Nationals was a big event, so it was like, I don't know what's really going on. Um, we're in a daytime event, so we're not in the, um, the prime time, so I don't, like, I'm not going head to head with him. Like, I don't know what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. He just, whatever happens, happens. He's on like, another platform i don't think like top form like c or something my uh, coach at the time i'm getting ready for my last deadlift and she's like jamal eat some skittles like get, get a handful eat some skittles and at that point in time it's like i went out there what was it i think i pulled 725 that time mm-hmm. that was like my best pull ever i ate the skittles i went out there and pulled it i'm like yes so ever since then it's like i guess skittles is like my deadlift like so i try to I try to reciprocate a lot of things in training. Like, if something works, it works. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, and it, even if it's just mental, I mean, it works. So that's how I try to think about stuff. So Yeah. And ever since then, Skittles, my dad was doing going up as well as Skittles. So, and Skittles. Yeah, I just I just assumed you were looking for an endorsement. When I saw the Skittles on the videos, I saw, I and I respected it because I always talk about Sour Patch Kids. And yeah. why do powerlifters like Sour Patch Kids? And I always was thinking why why not another candy why does it have to be sour patch kids and i'm like all right jamal's got skittles he's he's changing the trend so it well it got to a point in time where it's like even though i was still eating skittles like sometimes i don't eat them like but i still tag it mm-hmm. but it's it's more like i said it's more of a mental thing so it's like if i can i guess pitch it to you like if you eat skittles you'll be stronger not really like a motivator but it, at the same time it is like people were sagging me like after, like, I went, like, a deadlift spree, like, after the Arnold or whatever, mm-hmm. like, before the Arnold, people were sagging me in, like, posts with Skittles and stuff like that. But it's it just, it's gratifying to know that, like, people actually believe in themselves, like, to do better. So, 
if you can eat Skittles and feel like you're doing better, then eat Skittles. And that's, mm-hmm. that's the message I want to preach. Yeah. Yeah, if it works for you, if it works as Marshawn Lynch, it must work for everyone. So keep on eating your Skittles, people. <laughs> All right, and I, and I actually failed to bring it up at the beginning of the show, but you're one of the best pullers in the world, and you're also one of the better powerlifters in the world, just not when those two lifts. Um, over 2K total, uh, 540 Wilkes, I believe you have. It's, 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 yeah, I think it was 538. 538, so that's, that's fucking round up, man. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll ham it up a little bit. 540 Wilkes, it's always round up. But yeah, uh, 538 Wilkes, one of the best powerlifters in the world. So how did you get your start into fitness, and then how did that transition into powerlifting? So, well, I, I've been playing football since I was like 13. Um, I love working out. I was a gym junkie. I was the hardest worker in the room always. Mm-hmm. And I was in the weight room. But it's like, we didn't really do too many powerlifting movements. We, I mean, we bench, we, uh, we front squatted, we back squatted, and we did track bar a lot. Mm-hmm. And I was always, I was lanky back then. And like, I was obsessed with like, I always watched like animal pack stuff. Um, I watched YouTube videos all the time. Like I was watching like Bryce Lewis when he was at, like slingshot and stuff like that when I was younger, just to learn how to be a better athlete, like be better in the weight room, learn tips and tricks from everyone. So I didn't know what powerlifting was. I was just kind of looking at videos, trying to mm-hmm. better myself for football. So um, what happened? That happened. I mean, I played four years of college. I mean, not college, but uh, high school ball. Played like half a year of college, and I kind of just didn't play anymore i just kind of fell in love with training so mm-hmm. and i love the aspect of getting better so i just always strive to be a better person better athlete no matter what so i, just, I was always in the weight room no matter what so i believe it was like yeah i started piloting in 2016 um you know uh, muscle man marcus yes sir um, uh, we were friends since like freshman year of college i didn't know who, like we I, somehow we became Instagram friends and we always talk. We would just talk about fitness and stuff like that. He was like, I believe it was like my first meet ever. I was like four weeks out. He was like, yo, bro, you're strong as hell. You should get into powerlifting. I believe he just started too, like not so long ago. He was like, hey, man, you should try powerlifting. I'm like, fuck it, let's do it. So it was like, like I said, I was like four weeks out and I signed up for it. No proper training. I'm just doing like bodybuilding stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I wanted to be a bodybuilder at first, but. I didn't want to lose no weight, so <laughs> that didn't happen. But, um, yeah, I, I did that meet. Um, all the people were there. I wanted to meet by, I think, Wilson and stuff like that, but I forgot. It's a long time ago. But it was like, hey, man, you're, you're great. You should go to Nationals. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll do Nationals. I, I got a coach finally. Got some proper training. Um, my numbers went up. Like, like I said, I went in that first meet. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I would just – Hey, I think I can do this. I think I can do that. Mm-hmm. So I, I did it. But I mean, it wasn't like the best. Like I could have done more, but it is what it is. But like, yeah. But that, that's how I got started in powerlifting. And ever since then, I've been in love with it. So I can't complain. Yeah, very similar trajectory of as as I had. You know, growing up playing football, you're always lifting weights, but you don't know there, there's a sport out there for weightlifting. And we all did those, like, the powerlifting move. Like, we did powerlifting movements, and I was I was really good at those. I fucking sucked at football, but I was good at the weightlifting <laughs> aspect. And, yeah, then this, after, after you're done with football, after you get to train on your own time, that's when the evolution kind of starts. Yeah. 
especially if you're good at it and passionate about it, the evolution continues to grow. And then usually someone pushes someone else into a meet. Uh, it was one of my friends at a commercial gym pushed me into the meet and very same thing. No idea what I was doing. Ended up winning the meet. I didn't know how. I was just hoping to get a trophy. I was like, man, if I get third in my weight class, I'll be so happy. I was like excited to get that. And then when I said I won the meet, I was like, how the fuck did that happen? Yeah, it's crazy. But, I mean, it's you never know that you're good at something until you do it. So mm-hmm. I'll take it. I mean, I've been doing it ever since. I've been getting better. I'm not. I'm not saying I'm not the best in the world, but I mean I strive to be the best. Mm-hmm. That's that's that should be everyone's goal. Like I don't hate on anyone like that. So yeah, I just try to always better myself and like and try to uplift others. Because I mean, if I can do it, you can do it. Yeah. And it's like I didn't know how good I was till I re- like someone else realized my potential. So mm-hmm. yeah, and and seeing you lift, there's definitely a obvious sign that there's going to be continuously continuous progress because and, and i'm gonna ask you this now i was gonna save it for later but ask you this now i watch your squat and i watch your bench those are two very technical lifts that you have that look great and they're strong as they're, they're strong as hell do you ever feel like those two lifts get l- overlooked because your deadlift is you know almost all time yeah um just this like i said boss of bosses man i get so much fucking hate for deadlift in 821 i'm like damn it's still 800 pounds like get off my back <laughs> like i had a mate a good ass squat pr a good ass bench pr like give, give a give a guy a break and you know i'm gonna share something with you i don't even know if i should but this happened so i wasn't planning on having i wasn't planning on really having on this week i was planning on having the show but i thought it would be a perfect time to have you on the show after boss of bosses keep it topical and I also like to talk when there's a topic going on with people. You know, I just yeah. don't want to have on the show just, hey, let's talk. Let's 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 have it surround something. But somebody DM'd me, a friend of mine, which it was weird that he DM'd me this because I don't, like I don't know why he was looking for me for answers, but he DM'd me like, how does this guy deadlift 900 in training but can't do it in competition? And I was like, mainly because 900 pounds is really fucking hard to lift. No matter what day you're lifting. Exactly. And you pulled a thousand pounds in the gym. It's not easy to pull that every single day of your life. And it's like people feel like, I don't know, like they feel like you should have like a perfect meet every meet. Like, mm-hmm. I don't like, I don't know who set this standard, but everyone's not perfect. Like, shit, I, I fuck up. Shit happens. I had a bad deadlift. I mean, I had a good, I had a good squat. I had a good bench. I'm not complaining. Like, mm-hmm. I know I need to work on my deadlifts. It's like, but my thing is, I try to tell people like I gained 15 pounds since I last competed, mm-hmm. like in a full power meet. So yeah. that changed my leverages. Yeah, my deadlift, my deadlifts going to suck a little bit more because my quads are a little bit bigger because of the extra um, weight that I have right there. But my squad is going to take more of a benefit from that because mm-hmm. I can I really jack drop in the hole and like bounce off my quad, my, my calves or whatever. But, um, so it's like, I'm not at, like, a happy medium right now. Like, mm-hmm. If I was, like, I competed at 150, 255. If I was at, um, 245-ish, I believe my deadlift would have been there because I would have had better leverage. It's like I wouldn't have my quads in the way. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it's all a learning experience, so. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that. And that was, like, I somehow got annoyed with this when someone is asking me questions because, one, it's weird to ask me a question about someone else's meat. Like, I don't I don't talk shit about other powerlifters unless they're... 
Unless they did a whole lot of shit talking beforehand. And they fuck up. And then they fuck up, then I'll probably poke a few jabs. If they're being arrogant, maybe I'll, like, eh, you know, you didn't say what you are going to say you were going to do. But you had a good meet still. 7 for 9, boss of bosses, 2k total. And you smoked your, what was it, 820 deadlift? 821. 821. You smoked it off the ground. I mean, it's a solid meat. A lot of people would kill for that type of meat. And the person I'm talking about right now, probably listening to show, I apologize to put you on blast right now, but you would murder for that type of meat. A 2K total meat, and the fact that you went 1 for 3 on deadlifts is not necessarily a negative thing. Of course, powerlifters would like to do better, but I think the criticism is perplexing and out of nowhere for that yeah, it's, it's, it's weird like people don't know how to take the good out of like mm-hmm. you know, like they always try to take the negative out of every situation like i took the positives out of it. like i in my post when i posted i'm like yeah i know my grip just wasn't there but i mean i can't complain but my next meet i go into i'm gonna bring my own chalk and I, I feel like the chalk was an issue for me i wasn't used to it so it's like it's not. It, it wasn't something that I was in, c- in control of. So I gotta learn to control what I can control, mm-hmm. and that's. And if I can bring my own chalk to a meet and never have that problem again, and get used to a chalk that I'm always using, then I'll never have that problem in a meet again. So the next time I go to a meet, I can't blame the chalk. You know, saying I can't. I didn't like my hands didn't tear anything. Mm-hmm. It just the chalk was slipping. I couldn't do anything about that. Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about your future plans and training after Boss of Bosses, but tell me what it was like competing at Boss of Bosses. Like I said before, one of the premier powerlifting meets in the sport, it's always going to get a lot of eyes on it because of the amount of elite-level lifters are going to be there. How was the atmosphere? How did you enjoy watching other people compete? Just, just take me through the whole uh, competition. I mean, it's, it's, it's fun. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, it's, it's just fun. Seeing all the people you looked up to, like, even when I was in the USAPL, like, I still looked up to these guys because, like, they were doing feats of strength that were, like, basically inhuman. and, like, you shouldn't be able to do that type of thing. So, like, to sit in person and to be a part of that, it's, like, I was in awe. Like, like Gary Belkin, I was sitting down on the bench. He comes up and sits beside me, hands me a Pop-Tart, and he starts giving me, like, tips on my grip. I'm, like, I'm, like, like smiling inside. So, it's, like... It's, I'm not as funny as, like, I don't know. I, I didn't feel like I was there. Like, I felt like I was dreaming. Mm-hmm. Like, but it's, like, it's surreal because it's, like, these guys I looked up to, but now I'm a part of them. So it's, like, I'm with them. I'm competing with them. And, like, this is something, like, everyone wants to dream about. Like, everyone wants to be there. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, I don't know. It's funny. It's, it's, it's just surreal. So, but the atmosphere is fun. Um, people are always encouraging. I mean, I, I, I prefer USPA meets over USAPL because the crowd is, like, more engaged and it's, like, they want to see you do something crazy. They want to be impressed. They want to see crazy. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's a lot, but it's – I was just in awe. Like, I was – like, half the time I'm, like, zoned out. And I'm listening, like, slow music. And that's when I take my headphones out and it's, like – it's, like – like the environment is like contagion, contagious so it's like they want you to do better and so you do better for yourself like I didn't think I had a 750 squat I didn't think I was going to grind it out like that but mm-hmm. it's like with the crowd right there it's like you have no choice but to feed off the crowd and do better well one I don't know what I would do if Yuri Belkin offered me a pop tart I probably would just look at him and not I would probably giggle 
like uncontrollably and probably blush. So that's it's a pretty badass story. But it it did like whenever I see those meets, I always get motivated to get back in the gym. Like I always get motivated for my next competition because the atmosphere is you the atmosphere of the meet you can even feel when you're just watching a live stream and when you're just watching it on Instagram or something. So yeah. like the atmosphere is real those meets and it's and it's always it's always cool to hear a lifter talk about it, especially a premier lifter such as yourself, because a lot of the listeners on the show, or a lot of the listeners of Two White Lights, are in that intermediate beginner stage. And when they ha- hear elite level lifters talk about how they were in awe, how they're kind of starstruck by certain people, is always like really cool for uh, people to listen to. Um, so at that meet, who were some of some of your favorite power lifters there. Um, Andrew Herbert, um, he has a massive squat. Like I love his squat. I love his massive grind that squat. So it's like it's it's crazy to see him do it in person. Um, Yuri Yuri's deadlift is his and his squat. Mm-hmm. All three lifts. He did I think nine five nine. Yeah. Like so it's like it's, that's that's crazy to think at two twenty. Um, CC. Um, who else? There's a lot of people, man. Uh, TD, um, mm-hmm. Julius, that, that bench was crazy. It's like, it's so much going on. It's like, to be a part of it, it's like, mm-hmm. I was just kind of, I was a fan while being a competitor at the same time. And I was just kind of like, like I said, I was starstruck. And I was like, it, to be a part of, like, I still feel like I'm, I'm dreaming. Like, so it's like, yeah, the the meet itself looked great. Um, there were some extremely great highlights to watch of it as well. So, all right, you kind of already touched on your performance, but take me through your performance. Like, what was the mentality into that meet, knowing that you were surrounded by such great powerlifters? I mean, I had no choice but to do good. Um, I couldn't go out there and, like, at my first big competition and look weak, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I... At first, like, I, I believe it was 10 weeks out, I was about to pull out. Um, I had pulled a hamstring. I was having piriformis issues. And um, I almost pulled out. Like, I was like, I'm not about to do this meet. Like, I don't feel like I'm ready for it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go there and embarrass myself. But I gave it, like, two or three weeks. And things gradually got better. Um, so I was – my squat and my bench for my focus is, like, I want to be a complete powerlifter. I don't want to just be known as a deadlift specialist. So, okay. Um, I, I, I didn't really – I still hate bench. I don't want to bench at all. Mm-hmm. I, I, I never went over, like, 440 in training. I just I, – I was focused on the squat to get the most out of that to build my total. So, the squat went well. I can't complain. Um, I probably had another couple of kilos. But bench – uh, bench, I wasn't really focused on it. I was talking to my coach one day, like, we were, like, we had attempts down. Like, I believe my last attempt, my third attempt was supposed to be 463. But since I didn't get those kilos that I wanted on my squat to get the 20, I, I could I think I could have told the 2100, but my deadlift wasn't there. Like, I was really hoping my deadlift would be there. So mm-hmm. it wasn't done. But I got the most out of my squat. I got the most out of my bench. But, I mean, the, the, like I said, the deadlift just wasn't there. But, I mean, I still can't complain. I got I had a two K total. Yeah, um, my best whoops ever came out to me healthy. So oh yeah, absolutely. And I 
And, all right, so let's go to the deadlift because for the past, like, three days, I'm seeing a lot on your story. Other prominent powerlifters have uh, been posting on their story as well. Shout out Garrett. Shout out Chris. Um, on on your deadlift. Now, it's it was a grip issue because when I saw the the second and third, your second and third attempt, I thought that they were going to come up easy, and they seemed to just slip. Now, you said it was some issue with the chalk. Yeah, I couldn't get the chalk to stick. Like, usually you can get, like, a, a good coat on your hands, like a good thick coat, but I couldn't get that. So it was, like, it, it was weird. Like, I guess my hands are, like, sweating, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I was kind of in a moment, but I can't, well, I should have went back to, like, after my, like, my first attempt, I knew, like, the first attempt was slipping. Like, it might not look like it, but it was. Like, I, I felt very unsafe about that attempt. I thought it was going to get called red. But it, it didn't. I, I locked it out. I, I held it as long as I could, but I, like, it was still slipping on my hand. Mm-hmm. Um, I should have tried hook for my second, but it was like, damn, you only, you only did it miss. Like, you don't know where your hook is right now, so don't even, like, try to attempt to just stay miss and grind it out. But it, I got it almost up, and my, I guess my lockout time was a little bit off. And I guess I, I think I... I don't know. I have to go back and look at the video, but I think I like turned just a little bit. My hand came off my thigh, and when it came off my thigh, that's when it just kind of just slipped out because I didn't have that. It wasn't. I wasn't pulling it back into my body anymore. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the third, I, I I pulled it up, got to my knees, and I just knew my grip was going to fail. So I didn't want to like try to grind it out and hurt myself. So I just kind of just. Let you go and take take the win for the day. Yeah, and now I actually I was curious about this because you use straps a lot in training, correct? Not really. Um, usually on my top sets, I always always work up to my top set, like just bare hands raw mm-hmm. with chalk. But then I would do like my back off and stuff with straps. But like when I do like. I guess when like people see me like do like super heavy lifts with like straps, they always think like, "Why is he using straps? Why is he, he could be using his grip?" I'm not. I'm not saying I'm in uncharted territory, but like I'm. I'm not like a slow and methodical puller. I'm yeah. very explosive mm-hmm. off the ground. So it's like, if I don't get set up fast, then I lose that that fast switch fibers, and I, I don't the pull that I want off the ground. So in order for me to do that, I have to set up quick. Mm-hmm. And the best way for me to set up is with mitts uh, quick. So okay. I just, I set my feet, one, two, bam, then I pull. It, it's not really like sit down there, grab my hips and pull. I just, I got to, I got to go. Cause if I think about it, I'm going to fuck up. So mm-hmm. I just try to, I try to go. Um, so like when, it, when I was training my hook grip, I was trying to kind of imitate straps. Like the way I set up the straps, like, yeah. I usually set my left leg, and I do my right hand, left hand, hook, then I set my right my, my right foot, then I pull. Yeah. But sometimes it's like I don't ever get in, like, my optimal position. Like, I don't feel like I'm where I need to be when I start to pull. So I just kind of I go back, uh, look at the, the videos, and I try to change up how I like, approach the bar. Like, I'm not – like I said, I can't be a slow puller. I can, just can't be – I can't sit down there like Yuri or – Kayler and just sit down there and just hold the bar and rock my hips to get my hips in place because I don't 
it's, it's, it's foreign. Like, I don't know how to mm-hmm. feel. I don't know how to hook from that position. So, um, like, once I learn how to hook grip and still use my power like I want to, then I feel like my deadlift will take off again. But, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a lot. Yeah, and I was – when I was looking at your deadlift, I was curious on what you would go with, hook grip or mixed grip, because it looks like both could benefit you a lot. And I myself is I'm mixed grip, um, and it's very similar, especially recently with my deadlift, because it's me walking up to the bar, and I used to have the long, exaggerated, you know, getting my hips in place. Now I'm generating more power not doing that. So the mixed grip helps me the most. Now if it was hook grip, it would take me way longer to set up. It would... It, it's, it is interesting when people have grip problems, and then they suggest hook grip. You're, I don't know how it's, your grip is going to improve when your thumb is, you know, lodged in between you and the bar. So I always believe that mixed grip is going to be the, the best way to kind of fix a grip problem or help someone with um, grip issues. Now, going into other meets, is there any approaches you're going to take in your training to maybe minimize those problems? First of all, I'm gonna try to get my body weight down just a little bit. Um, when I was talking to Yuri, when I went to a seminar like like a couple of weeks ago, he uh, he explained to me that since my body weight was higher than what it used to be, um, I'm holding a lot of water in my hands. So that's why my hand kept tearing. And since I'm have higher body well, body weight, my hands are more meaty. So it's I'm not explaining. Like it's like you holding like you hold fat in different places. So he's mm-hmm. like. You're basically holding fat and water in your hands, which is going to hinder your deadlift. And then your quads is a little bit bigger, so that extra traction that you're getting on your hands is going to open your hand up more. And it, it makes sense. So it's like, and plus I, I know that I'm a better puller at like 243, mm-hmm. 245-ish than I am at 250 plus. But with straps, I mean, I'm, I'm still strong as hell. So it's like, it, I don't complain, but it just... It's those little things like the angles and the how, like, I believe my lockout right now is like an inch higher than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Usually I can lock out maybe like two or three inches right above my knee. Now it's like maybe four, four and a half because of I have to pull up just a little bit more because my, my shoulder's a little bit bigger and I, that's where I lock out at now. So, um, it's, it's, Everything is a learning experience. So it's like I have to learn from it and keep trying to get back to where I was but not really hinder my squat and my bench. I still want those to be as strong as they are without – but I still I want my delts as well. So it's like mm-hmm. I got to find a balance in between there. Um, I don't know what that is yet. It's, like, it's going to take some tinkering with my training, um, my diet, um, it's, it's a lot of factors that play into it, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, the the funny thing with all this is if you were 24 years old, you know, pulling, say, a good number but not all-time numbers or having an all-time total, no one will be asking you these questions, right? Yeah. Because if you had, like, say, a 740 pull, it's a great pull, so fantastic for uh, 110, but... The fact that you're going for like a 900 pull, a 950 pull, that's when people start asking questions about your deadlift, 
which is such a funny like if you were 24 years old and pulled like just 740 and that was your third attempt people will be going oh fuck yeah this guy can progress so much but now that you're at like 900 people are like man when, when is he gonna progress after that which is such a stupid way of thinking <laughs> like no it gets harder when you get when you get strong man exactly. it gets really hard when you get to 900 it's not around the corner trust me 900 pounds is not around the corner and the fact that i'm saying this like i know is comical but these 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 weights are not around the corner as far as uh boss of bosses where does that meet rank right now as far as your biggest accomplishments in powerlifting i don't really track accomplishments i just try to be better like i said mm-hmm. as long as i'm getting better i don't really complain like my wilts went up maybe i think eight points or something mm-hmm. um my bench and my squat been like went up so it was like it, it was a great meet it was a good time like I, I performed on the big stage um i had a good time with those people there um the environment was nice the people were nice like dan he's he's been a fan of me which is crazy i'm a fan of him mm-hmm. so it's like um I, it's, it's, it's a surreal moment so it's like but i still have plenty of time i'm a healthy 24 like you said i'm 24 years old i have I'm healthy. I still have other big meets in the future. Like my time isn't done, so it's like I don't really rank anything right now because I don't know what the future holds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, 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 I definitely agree with that. So, if we could put maybe, and, and no one really wants to look far ahead in the future, but let let let's do that. What would be say your dream meet? Like a number involved, the Wilkes involved, anything in mind for that? Competitions even? I want to be Yuri. I want to be Yuri one day. You want to go nine five nine? He has to go raw. I don't. I don't know about. It. I don't like raps, so I wouldn't do raps. But if he, we did like a raw meet head to head or something like that, then it would be like, and we like competed. It'd be fun. Like, mm-hmm. Just doing something like that. Um, and just beating those who, like, you looked up to. Not really. I don't want to, like, shit on them or anything. I just want to be able to compete with them better and just mm-hmm. be, like, not in the, and I'm in the same sentence with them, like, all you want, like, the best bowlers, but it's, like, a Jamal and Yuri, Kaylor, Dan Green, whoever it is, like, they're going to head-to-head matchup. Like, he, he's in a running. He might he might do this. He might do that. Like, the anticipation, like, what's going on, like, right now in Raw Nationals, like, People don't know who's going to win. This is like it's just speculation. It's, it's one of those things. Like I want the thrill of not knowing what's going to happen when I go against one like these people. So mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, man, that's definitely an admirable goal to accomplish. Anytime you could be in the same sentence as Yuri, you're you're doing something right, and it's got to be a tremendous experience just to one day be able to compete along or just to be able to go head to head with uh someone of that nature especially with Kayla Woodham as, um, as well so we often give technique tips me and my co-host we are running short on it so Jamal give us a technique tip on any of the three lifts really some one cue that has helped your lifts the most because it's like one thing doesn't work for everyone, so it's mm-hmm. like, like I told you, like in the beginning of this show, um, I looked at a lot of people. I looked at like when I was first beginning deadlift, like when I started sumo, I looked at Bryce Lewis, I looked at Kristoff, uh, I looked at Taylor, I looked at Yuri, I looked at um, 
um, Canadian Bryce. I looked at um, Chance Mitchell. I looked at um, a lot of people's stats, and I was just trying to take bits. Like I, I would literally just sit there and download their videos, slow it down, and like see what they're doing here, see what they're doing there, to see how like how their pool is like benefit from certain things. Um, and I, I would take those things in my training and then, like use those things like. If, if they worked, I kept at it. If they didn't work, I just kind of dissed it to the side and tried to learn something new. Um, so I, I think my best advice would be never stop learning. Like, mm-hmm. you, you, you're never the best. Like, I, I look at your deadlift and, like, like how does a guy, like, deadlift, like, with, like, straight like straight feet and chins? And, like, he's basically a conventional sumo puller, right, which is crazy. It's like, how does he, like, taking, like, I look at everybody. I, I take. I look at everyone for like, like advice. Like even though I don't, my, I might not ask you or anything like that, but I'll look at your videos and like, hey, he he, he might be onto something. Like mm-hmm. he knows something I don't know, and he might be thinking different. Like I think different from other people, and you might think different from me. So like, no, and I, I and I, but I like what you're saying so far, and this is something that I feel like people don't do. I feel that people have a lifter they like. And they try to emulate that lifter any way that they can, but whatever that lifter does might not work for him. So yeah. if you were confined to like three lifters and just watching and studying maybe three lifters, you might not get better because those three lifters might not be able to show you or tell you enough that you need to do to learn. Because I've watched, and very similar to you, I've watched so many different people. The cues that I got, the tips I got, were really good from Ed Cohen, but also, you know, Joe yeah, Sullivan. Yeah, yeah, Joe, Joe Sullivan, too, gave me super quick, like, advi- super quick pieces of advice that just clicked immediately. And he, and it's just, it's a different lifter. It, it, it varies from person to person, and I think a lot of young lifters especially, they're impressionable. They're yeah. they're heavily influenced by what they see on Instagram, because very similar. You bought my deadlift up. I would not advise my deadlift to eighty five percent of powerlifting. Ninety five. <laughs> yeah. Oh <laughs> well, and, and and I tell because they're like, oh dude, I'm deadlifting in uh, squat shoes now, and I say I'm like, don't fucking do that because I only did it because I'm ignorant. I did it when I first started deadlifting. I didn't know flats were better. I didn't know that there was a difference between the two. My shoes said power lift on them. So I thought you did every power lifting movement in the shoes. I'm like, it's, I'm like, the reason why I do it is due to idiocy. It's not due to me like, oh, you know what? I'm going to create leverage this way. I'm going to do that. It just happened to work for me. I went into it ass backwards. And that's the reason why I found success of it. A young lifter telling me that they're doing the same exact thing as me, I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's look at other people. Let's watch some, you know, videos from Mark Bell. Let's watch some videos from Ed Cohen. Let's watch some videos from uh, Bryce Lewis. Let's really go into, let's dig deep into technique. Because, and I I can make a really good example, Uh, Russ, Russ Orhe. Russ could do whatever he wants on an Instagram video and you're going to see a bunch of young lifters doing the exact same thing as him. Bro, I, I keep seeing people with J's on and a headband. I'm like... And, and, the reason, and the reason why, Russ is cool as hell. 
He's exactly. swaggy as shit. He's cool. He's got the headband. He's got the smile. He's got the dog chains. He's cool. But does not mean that you need to do everything that he does. People like yeah, like you said, people are impressionable, so mm-hmm. even they're caught like you seem like you do. But um yeah. Like I've been looking at, like a lot of Brandon, uh Brandon uh Stat of Strength. Yeah. His videos. They're very, he's been he's been blowing up too. Yeah. Like I watch a lot of his videos and like like take little tips and tricks. Like people like I said, people think different. Like he he's a he's a different thinker and I mm-hmm. like the way he thinks. So it's like I try to take things like he uses and like now I, I apply it my own training mm-hmm. and like it's like I take tips and tricks from everyone. Like, yeah, whether you know it or not, I, I do it on my own. Like I don't, I'm not a coach myself. Not, you know, I try to, but I I rather do it in person. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't do the online coaching stuff. But everyone has something to give to someone else. So it's yeah. like whether it's good or bad, you can learn from it. Like. Hey, this guy does this, but it doesn't work for him. Okay, cool. But let me see if I can use that, which you taught that person to use it on the next person. Whether like, I can give you advice and advice might be work, not work for you, but advice I give you work for someone else. Mm-hmm. So it's like little stuff like that, like just keeping the progress up. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. And, 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 and as far as this technique goes, also just because a lifter is great, does not mean that their advice is, and their advice is good, does not mean it works for you. And an example I have is uh, Trevor Jaffe. Uh, Jaffe. Yeah. Trevor Jaffe. He gets he, advice all the time. He is incredibly smart. He is an, an extremely good coach, too. He's got a arsenal of terrific lifters under his coaching. Whenever he makes a video, I have to watch it two or three times because it goes, he just, I think just too smart for me. Like, it goes one ear and out the other. I just kind of can't grasp everything. But another person is giving me identical advice, but they're just explaining it a little different for me. Like, like he, he, he explains everything, like, layman's training. Like, it's, like, super simplified that it's, a, like, an advanced concept, but he mm-hmm. makes it super simple that anyone can learn. Mm-hmm. It makes it easy for you to grasp the technique that he's trying to teach you and apply to your own training. It doesn't make it, like, super complicated and... Like overwhelming, like it, it doesn't make you think too much, mm-hmm. but it, it's it, it's simple. It's little things like what was it, the grace for deadlift? Like I, I tried that for a while. Shit. I said, like, I said, it's just little things like that that like people. I I, I love people like him. Like just mm-hmm. give free advice. Like he doesn't make money off of anything. He just he wants the world to be a better place. He wants powerlifters to be better powerlifters. He wants better movement. He wants the best from other people. So it's like I love guys like that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and another example I could use is uh, Steffi Cohen. Steffi Cohen, I have a hip imbalance, and she made a great video on hip imbalance, but if I look through the caption that she sent, like, or she typed out, it's full of scientific shit terms that I just don't know. I just, yeah. I, I, I'm like, I don't even know how to research this stuff because it's way above my, it's just way above my intelligence and what I do know. But the, when she when she does it visually, when she gives those visual aids, it makes a ton of sense to me. So, yeah, a good technique tip for everyone, follow a lot of powerlifters. Follow good powerlifters. Follow your fellow powerlifter. Follow people. I know it's Instagram, and you get a little bit uh, weirded out when you have a lot of 
when you're following a lot of people and because everyone wants those that egotistical thing like oh my followers outweigh my following by so much fuck it follow a bunch of people follow a bunch of people you trust too and another thing don't be closed-minded mm-hmm. open your mind up to like you can be whatever you want to be you can be as strong as you want to be like you just have to believe that you are like me like uh, ashton like he's a freaking nature I, like before my my composition, he, he did something crazy. I'm like, yo man, I need this type of energy in my life. Like, keep doing your shit. Like, I love it. Like, like I'm gonna go, I'm about to go fucking squat like a lot now. I'm about to go bench a lot because he, he's like super strong and he's like a one of a kind lefty. Like he's one of the best to me. So, mm-hmm. um, you just have to open your mind up to like don't be like like I said, don't be closed minded. Um. There's people out here doing crazy things, and you can do crazy things too. But you have to believe that you can do it. So, mm-hmm. for sure. And Jamal, thank you for coming on the show. Hopefully, we can have you on again sometime. Good luck to your training. Good luck to all the competitions you're gonna do. We know, I know, you know that you're gonna kill it. Thank you. All right, and now we are on to our segments. Stay tuned, guys. And we are back. Thank you, Jamal Browner, for coming on the show and giving the fans what they want because, I mentioned it before, he's a fan-requested interview, and we try to give the two White Lights fans what they want to hear. And thank you again for coming on the show. Now to our closing segments, and we're going to probably keep this short and sweet because USAPL eats a trash yet again and our very first episode usapl ate the trash like our right after my meet that i had my very first usapl meet they ate the trash it's a reoccurring segment that we have and they're probably going to do something that we're going to have to talk about because again they make changes they make rules they make policies that lifters will never agree with Lifters will never get on board with. And the most recent one is the additional fee lifters have to pay for coaches in the warm-up room, even if they're coaching the same person. So, or they have the same coach as other lifters. I, I, I'm going to pull it up right now. I think it was, um, yeah, Joey Flex on his uh, story posted it from USAPL. Uh, and it said, important information, to prevent overcrowding of the warm-up room, lifters are allowed up to two coaches, two in the warm-up room and one the coaches in the coaches box. Didn't even know they had a coaches box, and overcrowding in the warm-up room is a stretch. They continue, every athlete that will have a coach present during Raw Nationals will be responsible for the coach fee. $10 for the first coach and 20 for the second coach. An athlete that does not have a coach listed will not be allowed to have a coach in the warm-up area or coaches box all coaches will need to be registered by the deadline and will be provided a unique id that's fancy via email it has to be given to their athletes the athlete will in turn add their coach's unique id through the athlete change form all right so for me for me as a competitor, and again, I'm egotistical and narcissistic, so I'm going to give my take first and how it affects me. It doesn't affect me because I don't have a coach, I don't have a handler. And $10, $20 is not a ton of money. But 
I don't understand why they must do this. A handler does nothing. A coach in the warm-up area does nothing. I I don't see the need for it. I don't see the need for a handler needing to have an additional fee to be in there. And I just don't understand why can't that person pay it themselves. Why, why does it have to be the lifter in the federation, the person competing in the competition, paying for their coach? I don't get it. That doesn't make any sense to me. It There's other ways to do this, and fucking, uh, the USAPL has to be broke due to all the goddamn drug tests they make us do, and the money it costs to do that, or all the other things, like the venue, having a four or five day event. They, it, they have to be so strapped for cash that they need money, but there's an easier way to do this. Just have the coaches pay $10 cash when they come in, have a special wristband, have a requirement for people, for coaches to come into the warm-up area. They have to pay a little extra. That's fine. I, I, I don't understand having to pay for a coach who's already there and has to coach other people along in the meet. It doesn't make any sense, and I think less lifters will be, I think lifters will be less frustrated in this if they got something in return. And this is such a cliche, this is said all the time, but USAPL lifters spend money on registration, the membership fee, which is like $55 a year. They sign up for the meet, which I think Ron Ashell is like $150 if you got one of the fucking cool t-shirts and sweatshirts that they sell. The and and then with the additional cost of you know and then you know if you're an I, if you're good enough to be in the IPF you have to tell people your whereabouts make time to do the drug tests have them hunt you down you know be super 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 careful on what you take you know because that pre workout you might take the marijuana you might smoke the recreational drugs that don't enhance your performance might get you kicked out of the Federation completely. You're doing all that for the Federation. You're doing all this extra stuff. And at the end, you get a beautiful, unique, one-of-a-kind medal to go along with your efforts of jumping through all these hoops to be in a Federation. And I think if there was a cash prize, I think that if there was something to go along with of being a USAPL competitor, less lifters would be frustrated. But they will continue to make these rules that just isolate the lifter from the Federation. And again, for me, I don't give a shit. And I, in my opinion, which is probably a, you know, a lot of people will call this a dumb opinion, but I think less people should have handlers, less people should have coaches. You could do some stuff yourself. You could call out your own fucking attempts. You could, you, you could do this shit on your own, okay? But some people want to have a handler. If you have a family member or a friend who wants to be in the warm-up area to handle you, that's perfectly fine. Because when I have a handler, it's not much that they do. It's, they change the weights for me. And if I'm, you know, missing equipment, they might help me look for it or get my equipment if I left it. Or if I'm hungry, they might get my food for me so I have to go in the warm-up area and grab it. Or occasionally my handler at, well, I'm going to say it was my handler at uh, my very first world's competition, but it was just my girlfriend getting me coffee. That was very sweet of her. But yeah, that's, that's, that's as most what a handler does for me. 
So you're going to make me pay for those people who are just, you know, just trying to help me out and just kind of hanging out. But in all honesty, I don't think that it's going to be enforced that much. I, I, if, if I was wanting to handle someone at USAPL Raw Nationals or if I was a competitor at USAPL Raw Nationals, just fucking try to come into the warm up area and, and see what happens. Just, just try. Just, it's one of those things if you get caught, it's like, well, what the fuck are they gonna do? Just kick me out or just tell me to not be in here? Just, just try. Just go in there. Don't pay. Don't show the unique fucking ID that they want us to show and just, Go into the warm-up area, handle your athlete, and see what happens. They Probably nothing will happen. I've seen rules like this in other federations as well that were just completely unenforced. That, yeah, I mean, there's, like, not enough security for that. But, I don't know. USAPL might. Who knows? Um, yeah, at first, one of the first shows we have was the media rights, the transgender thing, which we actually agreed on. Now it's this. And... I saw another one on some of the equipment changes as well. Uh, I think Noriega posted this on a story with the uh, – I, I, I don't even know where to get information for this, but the confirmation that they're going to use ER racks and not the Rogue combo racks at USAPL Round Nationals. Again, we were all under the assumption, all the competitors, that we were going to use the Rogue combo rack. The Rogue Combo Rack, for me at least, is a better piece of equipment. I love that thing. We got one at Surge. I don't want to say that we got it for that reason. I don't know why Sergio got it. It's a great piece of equipment that everyone could use. But it was, you know, really good for the USAPL competitors at Surge Levels Fitness to use that thing because we want to be comfortable with the equipment that's going to be used at the competition we're doing. We got that Ohio 20 kilo bar. We wanted to use that Rogue combo rack, and I think they used an Arnold, so we were all under the impression that we were going to use that. But we just recently found out, I think through a Facebook post, and again, so I'm not even going to confirm this, and I got to do more research myself on this kind of stuff, but they aren't using that. They're using a ER combo rack, which I don't know what an ER combo rack is. I messaged Sean, and he told me that it's the worst piece of shit equipment. In powerlifting, I could be misquoting him, but it was somewhere along those lines. And again, for me, and I'll give you my take first as a competitor, I don't give a shit because it doesn't affect my performance that much. I have lifted with shitty combo racks. I have lifted with different combo racks, and it's all relatively the same for me. And that's probably due to the fact that my bench is not technically sound. If my bench was better, I probably would care a little bit more. But I don't really care as much as that, but I do care that the fact that we were under the impression, a lot of lifters are under the impression, that we were going to be using a certain piece of equipment. Now, you got to think when you believe that you're going to use a certain piece of equipment, other gyms may start buying that equipment for that reason. And they could be saving a whole lot of money if they don't need an extra set of combo racks, bars, weights in the gym. So I just... I think it's just more so making sure that we're in the loop with the changes that are going to be made and with the equipment we're going to be used because we are going to try everything we can to make sure we have the equipment necessary to make sure we're successful at the meet that we're going to do. And for again, for me, an ER rack is not a big deal. And in my humble opinion, I don't 
if it really affects your performance that much that we're using a different rack, maybe maybe you should change the way you lift. Because if a certain equipment needs to be there for you to hit a bench, squat, and or deadlift, then maybe you should, one, change federations. Very easy to do that. Change your federations. And two, change the way you lift. Because if I like it, combo racks, I now I haven't lifted on a whole ton of different ones, but I have similar experiences with each one, if that makes sense. And it's not that different. Now, I do love that Rogue combo rack. It's fantastic. The pad is fat. It's sticky. The uh, On squat, it's easy to manipulate the bar, unlike some other ones. I really love that rack, and I firmly believe I'm a better lifter with the Rogue combo rack. But I lifted on really shitty combo racks before, and it was a it was a whatever lift. Like, it wasn't that big of a deal. So... There's probably a better way for USAPL to go about this, and they didn't. And there's another issue with, you know, competing in the Federation. And when I see that they make these rule changes and they are inconsistent with what they do, more lifters are inclined to go into different Federations. So they, they, I, I think they gotta, they gotta get more on the pulse of the, their, customers because when they're not there it seems like there's a massive disconnect between USAPL and the competitors and that's a problem the the main goal is to satisfy us the competitors if that is not your goal you are fucking up royally you're not doing what you need to do to have a good federation that everyone wants to compete in so that's i think that's more the issue stay in touch with your competitors and your customers. And it, I think it's very similar to a co- I, and I, probably the reason why I'm thinking about this right now is because I'm watching football right now. New England's beating the Steelers, of course. And, like, it's the coach needs to know how their players feel. They have to stay in touch with their players. If they don't stay in touch with them, you're fucked. You're done. You're probably going to get fired. And that's what I feel like is going on with USAPL. But what do I know? I've been competing with USAPL for uh, less than a year now. Yeah, less than a year. I started in March, so less than a year. So I'm talking out of my ass at this point. But uh, but uh, but at the same time, people are going to continuously cough up money to compete in USAPL because drug-free lifting, the best, and in my opinion, some of the best competition you're ever going to face at competitions is going to be in USAPL meets, especially Nationals, the Arnold, all those things, they have really good competition there that people don't want to get out of. And I think that's a, that's a trend with a lot of people. They get into USAPL thinking they're only going to do one or two competitions, but they get so sucked into the competitive nature of being with some of the best drug-free lifters in the world, they just stay with it, and that's why they kind of, you know, they choke themselves essentially for the USAPL because they are inclined to do so due to the fact they just don't want to leave. And, I mean, I, I talk a tough game, but I think that that might be me because I've said USAPL Raw Nationals is the only USAPL meet I'm going to do, that I'm going to switch to USPA. But if I do well enough at USAPL Raw Nationals, I would fucking love to do the USAPL meets at Arnold. 
that would be a really, really cool experience. I talked to Carson Allen about it. I talked to a lot of different lifters about it. It would be a cool experience to do the Arnold. So I would love to get that in and compete there. So who knows not on what I would do with USAPL, but I, I don't know. I think that they just have to listen to the lifter more. That's it. That's it. That's it. Simple. Listen to the lifter more. You'll be fine. All right. Well, that was my rant. We don't have a whole lot of segments. And get used to this, me doing the show alone. Um, It looks like Bane, and I, again, I, would, I hate to put words in his mouth, but, you know, is busy. He has his stuff to do. Uh, as far as, you know, a duo show, looks like it's going to slowly be just me. If you're not a fan of co-host for me, no, no, so I'm a sorry, but you're going to have to deal with it. But, yeah, I have more time to do this. Bane does not. seems like he's really enjoying, you know, the, the, the extra time he has with his family. So be you get, get more used to hearing me rant about things by myself, potentially with a few guest co-hosts and all that kind of stuff along the way. So... I'll try to get better at this whole thing of me talking to a mic with no one around me in my basement watching baseball, but, you know, whatever happens, happens. I'm not going to really change my whole personality either. So if my personality turns you off, then, eh, sorry. With that being said, subscribe to the show on on iTunes. Uh, leave a five-star rating. Leave a review. We have a giveaway, and... Uh, if you put even a roast on there, if you make fun of us, if you make fun of the show, it is fine. Do it. I. It, it is the funniest review. If you leave a good enough review, you will get a giveaway prize. Now, right now, they're not that good. The jokes that you're leaving aren't that good. I'm sorry. I'm being honest with you, and I'm just not going to give a giveaway prize to the jokes that I don't find hilarious. Or even roasts, or even like a really good review. So, leave a five star rating, leave a review, subscribe, follow us on Spotify as well. We're available on all platforms, and be on the lookout with more interviews this week, next week, and the weeks beyond. We have some really good interviews lined up with USAPL competitors, some other people as well, some just faces around the powerlifting community. So, again, be on the lookout for that. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week, and I'll talk to you guys later. Peace.